You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. I think it has to be said, don't you? I do. Hi. I'm here to say it. If it has to be said, then I'm here to tell you. I'm gonna say it. This is actually a philosophy I've used a lot online in blogs and, well, not blogs, forums, forum sites. I'll be reading along and see the way people are, which you probably are familiar with this. They start to just pile on with the same simpleton thought process. Everybody backs everybody else with the very limited basic thought that anyone could have based upon whatever subject matters being discussed. And I'll read along and see, yeah, here we go. Everybody forming a line, marching to the order of this generic thought process. And I will, of course, being me, (laughs) consider alternative ideas that are being ignored or not discussed. And I know they're being... I know that they will be thought of as ridiculous because everybody's being safe. And this isn't, by the way, just a forum discussion. This is the way it is in life, you know. People that for years tried to act like the internet was not the real world. And now we're realizing, especially during this pandemic, sometimes it's the only real world you're going to (laughs) get. So you better bone up on your strategies for how to you know, survive in the internet world because it kind of is the real world. And uh, people are being held, you know, more responsible for everything they say and do on the internet. Very clever to get you to sign into every app with your Facebook because your Facebook has all your real personal information. That way you're attached to anywhere you go on the internet and they can nail you for whatever you say or do and come and arrest you and haul you off and take your dog away from you, or whatever it is that they want to take from you. So I would be careful about signing up with Facebook. I don't have a Facebook anymore, um, but I would be careful about tagging yourself as a human being with your name and address everywhere you go on the Internet. Because even though it is the real world, I think we all are capable. (laughs) Someone tweeted the other day, you know, does anybody post on Twitter sober? (laughs) Didn't think so. And, um, I just think the internet brings out the worst in people. So even though it is the real world, I don't think it's the best of the real world. I think it is in many ways reflects, you know, the lowest common denominator viewpoint, even in yourself. I think in ways people behave at their worst. But I digress. Back to the point of on the internet, when you're on a forum site or in the real world, when people are discussing a particular subject matter, uh, It's very common for them to think common thoughts and express as if it's some brilliant idea. Just the common thing that, that, you know, anybody who's half intelligent would go, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, thanks for sharing. But, you know, we all, while I was falling asleep last night, that idea came to me, you know. And I'm not saying that's me because I'm so brilliant. I'm saying that, but people like to do that. They like to talk about things that are, really pretty passe and pretty ho-hum and they talk about them like they're really interesting uh 
and everybody agrees. Yes, yes, that boring idea is you're right, and oh, thank you, and you're right for saying that I was right. Well, thank you for being right about me, being right about you, being right. Whereas I look at that and I often think, yeah, but what about this other point of view? And here's the funny part. Now, I've been labeled a troll in the past, which is a wonderful word people like to use to label people who have original thoughts on the Internet. But I look at the common, boring train of thought and I will speak up with something different, something controversial, something counter to that thought process, even if... I don't personally necessarily agree with that thought because to me it's about if it's there to be thought, it should be said. We need people standing up more for counter thoughts, uh, different ideas, realities or truths that may or may not exist that aren't the generic realities and truths that everybody, of course, is going to agree to. So case in point is my podcast, my prior podcast about self-interest being the number one factor motivating everybody, including black people, including women, including anybody that we have decided in our culture currently uh, deserves full-fledged support from everybody. And if you don't support them, you will be tarred and feathered. You will be executed at sunrise. (laughs) So... um, That podcast was me saying, in very blunt terms, ranting, frankly, about um, what we're not allowed to say. And although, if you listen to that podcast, you may think, wow, Ray's racist or Ray's sexist or Ray has all this anger and he's a white, angry, he might as well vote for Trump. He sounds like a Trump supporter. I mean, if you generalize what I was saying and don't really hear through and listen to everything I was saying, you might think that way. And I'm saying that if I, if I would post something on a forum site to that extent, uh, I would be hammered and piled on and called all kinds of horrible names. I mean, it's so easy. It's like, it's like setting yourself up for target practice. When you state a contrarian point of view to the norm that is accepted by a vast majority, you are going to be targeted and shot down. And here's the other fun part. Nobody's going to support you. Because lest they be targeted too. I mean, Peter denied knowing Christ three times before the cock crowed. Or he denied, yeah, he denied him three times before the cock crowed. Not three times before the cock crowed three times. I think the cock didn't even crow. It just said cock-a-doodle-doo, I think, if you read carefully. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, did they even have cocks back then or roosters or anything? I mean, really, you have to wonder about that Bible passage. But he denied him three times. Hey, weren't you with Jesus? Nope, don't know him. And that, that, that's the guy that founded the Catholic Church. That's the, that's the rock upon which Christ built his church. So my point is people are not going to back you when you're being hauled off and crucified. Even if they love you and completely agree with you, it's going to take a lot of courage. And they're going to wait until the waters, 
you know, cool down and things and things cool down and the water sort of get more stable, then they'll weigh it in. But to, but they won't even they won't even acknowledge your prior statements. They won't even refer to them. So you'll have thrown yourself out there, been crucified and lambasted by everybody who was saying the generic boring thought process. And then when other people come along and basically say what you were saying, it'll be when it's time, when it's time to have those counter thoughts, which is after people realize after way too long that their generic boring thoughts were worthless and stupid and dumb and didn't get anybody anywhere. And only then, only after they stew on their stupidity for a long period of time, will someone have the courage to step in and maybe say, hey, what about this other alternative? And then it'll be acceptable. And then that person who wades in slowly later won't be lambasted and crucified. And they may even be glorified and made a hero. Meanwhile, you will never be thought of again. You will still be hated on and dismissed as the troll, contrarian thinker, racist, hateful, whatever, who said that thing during a time when people were too busy smelling themselves, as they say. Too busy uh, self-aggrandizing and slapping each other on the back for being very mundane and dull and basic in their thought processes. And that's what's happening right now in a lot of ways because of Trump. He has brought out uh, the worst in the, in, in, in the Democrats and the left and that they, they're very into self-congratulatory behavior and statements that are very safe and extreme and they all are in agreement and everybody's trying to be in agreement because they don't want to rock the boat right now because they want to beat Trump in November. And I, I understand that. I totally understand that. Um, and I, I think that's part of the reason for the huge support we're seeing uh, for the Black Lives Matter matters, Black Lives Matter movement is because uh, we're at a time where people want to support, want to jump on the bandwagon causes that, especially the ones that are contrary to whatever position Trump's taking, because we want to present a unified front so that we beat him. And yet you get the Bernie people taking shots at Biden still. Oh, well, there are some people that will never learn. But the point I wanted to make with 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 both with the Me Too movement that came out because of Trump. He really did spawn that with the grabbing by the pussy and everything else. And now the Black Lives Matter protest movement, which really gained a lot of... It didn't come out because of Trump. It came out because of a murder of a... A cut on, on tape of a, you know, a very vicious murder by police of a black man. Uh, one of many over the years. But it certainly was intensified and the support for it was intensified by Donald Trump and his insane anti common decency uh, statements and behaviors. Um, but, w but what I don't like is when people lose sight of like common sense reality. I mean, if you, if you looked at our culture today, you'd really think that we still had slavery, the way people were talking about it. And you'd think that every white man should hang himself because he's an awful, awful person just because he was born white. And if he dares to claim that that kind of thinking is maybe a little racist, he should be crucified twice over for even suggesting that someone who is not white could be racist, that that's so offensive to even suggest as much. And it clearly shows a white man in denial. 
just like, you know, women and, hey, they've all been, this has been going on for years and everyone agrees women are just brutalized and treated horribly, unfairly. And anyone suggesting that they've actually ascended to a lot of positions of power and, and some of them have misused it and not deserved it. And, how, you know, or some women lie about being sexually assaulted or whatever. Sometimes they just lie. Anyone suggesting that is obviously, you know, guilty of some horrible crime and we'll find one and get him with that crime. Whatever it is, we'll make it up if we have to. We'll pay someone. <laughs> but we're going to get that guy. But I, I am somebody who, especially when I see society all jumping on board together in a safe line of thought, in a safe boat to sail you know, together like a military force, I, it makes my stomach sick. I, 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 you know, I can't stand common thought that everyone agrees to that isn't even exciting or brilliant. What I like is thoughts and statements and opinions that make me go, huh, now that's interesting, you know, and make me actually reflect more on something maybe I didn't before. And it might even be, well, that's a little outlandish. I don't know if I agree with that. But then when you hear the person expound on it more, maybe you do. Or maybe you don't. And maybe it was just controversial. Like like I said, sometimes I'll post things or say things that I'm not sure I really believe in. But I think they need to be said. It's not that I'm trying to stir the pot. I'm not being a troll in that I'm not just trying to kick shit up in the air to get attention. That, that you know, That's the way people cheapen you when you have courage to actually speak counter the norm of the masses. They try to denigrate what you're saying by claiming you're doing it for ego or attention or just, you know, and you should be, ignore the troll, they say. You know, you should just be ignored, let alone crucified. Just, 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 you're, it's absurd that you're daring to say something like that. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, they're the ones looking for attention. And that's why they want to ignore anyone who actually said something that's exciting and interesting and fresh and new. Because God forbid they lose the power they've had that they've built up by being pedantic, dull, and simpleton. Because that's what people like. Just like they like the same songs over and over again packaged under different band names and the same movies shot and filmed the same way with the same boring actors who were never good and no one knows why they became a star, but you see them all the time and you're forced to pretend they're okay and you wonder why this is what we have in our culture. Now, <laughs> I could go on and on and name the stars that I feel that way about, but there are, there are a number in today's culture. It's really sad, you know. The stars of the 70s were actually great actors, you know, and people who deserved to be stars. And then you get people... These days, look, I don't want to badmouth Ryan Reynolds tremendously because he can be funny, I guess. But Ryan Reynolds, why? Why Ryan Reynolds? Why is he in every other movie? What does it have to do with anything? What, you know, uh, it just feels, it feels like he's, I wouldn't say derogatory or, you know, counterintuitive. <laughs> to the concept of movie star because he has the pretty face but the combination of his demeanor and voice and face and I don't know I don't understand it I don't understand he's not a great actor in my opinion he's just okay I, I don't understand the Ryan Reynolds phenomena another would be Jason 
Statham, Statham, Statham. I don't even think I've ever heard his name actually pronounced. But, I mean, I don't understand him. I mean, he's in all these action films and he's this this hard-ass, bad-ass guy. And I, and I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't get why they keep making movies with him, nor do I understand The Rock. I mean... Schwarzenegger, I, I get that The Rock is a, is a Schwarzenegger replacement. But Schwarzenegger was unique. He had a very bizarre accent. He was a literal muscle bodybuilder in competitions before he became a movie star. The Rock was just a wrestler. Come on, you know? <laughs> I thought Rowdy Roddy Piper made a better actor than The Rock. I mean, when he was in They Live, the late... Rowdy Roddy Piper. I thought as a bad actor, he was pretty good in They Live. I mean, he wasn't a good actor, but he, he pulled that off pretty good. And um, But The Rock, I mean, I don't think he pulls anything off ever. And yet we just continue to see him in all of these action films. I don't understand it, you know. Of course, I used to feel that way about Bruce Willis, and then they just kept lambasting, bludgeoning me over my skull with Bruce Willis till I finally said... Okay, okay, I'll watch another Bruce Willis film. And now, see, look, I, I don't mind, Brad. I might, it might even, I might even watch a movie because Bruce Willis is in it. Just because I'll take that over the crap they're giving me these days and passing for uh, movie stars these days. Um, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing. And we had, there was one great actor I loved seeing in Philip Seymour Hoffman so much. And he was still young, and he was he was chameleon, and you know very much a character actor, and could could be the lead in a movie if the if the movie was unique, but also was a great supporting player. You know him over him overdosing and being gone was a really great loss from cinema because there just aren't enough really unique actors these days. I mean, if if you're looking at Johnny Depp as like a cutting edge actor, you've got issues, you know. I mean, he was okay. I mean, I started to think, is he is he going to become one of the greats? And he just didn't. He didn't. He never did. Tom Cruise holds up well over the years, but he's always Tom Cruise. He never changes. And when he tries to, it's pretty bad. You know, when he tries to actually act, he just just beat Tom Cruise. Just just carry the film by being Tom Cruise, please. Thank you. Um. And actresses these days, geez, I don't even know one from the other. I mean, Kate Beckinsale and and uh, Olivia Wilde, and uh, I don't know. They just blend together. I really have a hard time. I mean, you know, the great actresses, we know who they are. I think Michelle Williams is a very good actress. Of course, Meryl Streep is known as the greatest actress ever. Um, but this Renee Zellweger thing, phenomena, I mean, she's won multiple Oscars now. But she won for Judy and... And she won, I think, uh, before that for uh, Cold Mountain or something like that, or at least she was nominated. I think she, I think she won before that. I'd have, to, I'd have to go look. But why? I, I just, I don't get it. And he, when Natalie Portman starts to come to the forefront, I mean, I first when Nicole Kidman started to become a really good actress, and she did The Hours and things like that, and started to get Oscar nominations. I was like, really, Nicole Kidman? But you know, at the end of the day, she is a pretty good actress. Natalie Portman's okay, too. But, I mean, honestly, still, Julia Roberts, Natalie Portman. I mean, really? 
the greatest actresses of our generation? Really? I mean, it's just, I just feel like we've lost. I mean, Faye Dunaway back in the 70s was an ass kicker. And, and the great actresses, of, again, of the 70s, they weren't, it wasn't about their looks. Diane Keaton, I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're not, you, you don't, you can't, it's not like you can't wait to see them in a bathing suit. Um, they're just, there's something quirky about them or interesting, or there's a style to them. Even Meryl Streep, although she was pretty when she was younger, I mean, she was never about her looks, you know? Um, I feel like the, the current crop of actresses and actors that are popular in movies, it starts with their looks. And for many, it ends there as well. <laughs> and I think that that's a shame. I really do. But so be it. It is, it is the world we're living in. And honestly, the most unique actors are the comedians. Like, who's that Australian actress who's in all the comedy? She's pretty, but she's a comedian. I'm blanking on her name. But then, of course, the Steve Carells or Carols and the Seth Rogans and the uh, Jonah Hills and people like that, that that we're seeing a lot of. They're actually good actors and they're funny. And they seem to be um, making a lot more dramas and crossing over and doing a lot of different types of films because they're just there's a void. People, we need these original, unique performers, whether they be comedians or otherwise. We need them in more movies. We we need fewer of the pretty faces who really don't have any distinguishing characteristics other than their looks that make them worth a damn. And we need more of the actual performers who are unique and special, you know. I think that's why Michael Keaton, too, has made such a comeback in his older years because I think he was always that kind of quirky and unique type actor. But there were so many of them uh, back in the in the 80s that uh, there wasn't a lot. I mean, he, he went into Batman and became more generic as a superhero and became popular for that. But his actual acting in other movies, I think, was better. And But he got lost in the shuffle because there really were, in the 70s especially, but also in the 80s, a lot of uh, unique actors, whereas I think there are far fewer today. And I don't want to sound like an old man saying, get off my lawn, you know, times have changed. It was so much better in my day. You youngsters, you know, you don't realize how shitty America is now or the movies are now. They were wonderful back in my day. I don't want to say that because uh, I don't want to sound that way. I'm absolutely open to new, innovative filmmakers and actors and performances. And I recognize that a lot, on the whole, I would say that your average movie today is better than it was, you know, even even 15 years ago. I mean the generic sort of floor level for quality is is raised. The floor is raised, but the ceiling's lower. <laughs> the ceiling's a lot lower. I think, I think that the high bars that, that, that were set uh, in the 70s and 80s have, are just not even being shot for anymore. They're not even trying to reach them. You know, the, the, you'd think that when they set standards of, of really excellence in any field, people should always be trying to achieve them. Instead, they worked really, really hard to bring the floor up. <laughs> and you get a lot of average movies. I mean, even when a movie's really good and you kind of like it, you still say seven, seven out of ten. Very few do you say eight or nine or ten. 
you know. I mean, these would be movies, most of them, if you were rating in the old four-star system, you'd say three stars, three stars, three stars, you know, which is actually seven, five, <laughs> which would actually be a high rating nowadays on IMDb, 7.5. But three stars, that's what it is. It's 75% of four, right? Three is 75% of four. So it actually equals a 7.5 rating to give something a three star. But in today's culture, it's a seven, really, or maybe even a six, nine to say three stars. And that's really what you're making these days is tons of three star movies and very few, very few three and a half star movies or four star movies. And, um, and I feel the same way about the actors. Why did I go off on that long tangent about movies when I opened up by saying different and unique? Because that was the point of this podcast unique, special, different, is I think the way to, if something's out there to be thought, you should say it, speak it, roll the dice. People are going to pile on, people are going to slam you. So what? You can take it. You're tough. Say the thing that other people might be thinking. Don't say it with hatred in your heart. Don't, don't say it to hurt other people, but say it because, hey, you think it's true or you just want to throw out an alternative perspective that other people need to hear. And I relate it to the movies because I love the movies. And I don't feel like enough alternative perspective plots, enough alternative perspective dialogue, um, enough alternative perspective actors and actresses are being presented to us. I feel like we've really reached a level of mediocrity and commonality and banality that's, that's been sort of forced upon us. And along those lines, and I'll end with this because I really didn't want to make a long podcast here on this. just a simple thought. I think that we're seeing that lack of greatness in movies and the lack of originality and specialness more than ever right now during this pandemic. Because my goodness, we're all stuck at home, or we were, and now we should be, but we're not. Everybody's running out doing everything when really you should still be staying home. So let me just add that. If you don't have to go out, stay home still. And when you go out, wear a mask and socially distance from people and be weird when you're out and think of it as different. It's okay. We'll get through this. It will go, it, we will go back to normal. But please, for the time being... Yes, things are going to be weird out there. And by the way, I wouldn't go to a movie theater or a restaurant for months. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sit out in public in an indoor space, even with a mask on. What's the point? You know, do you want to sit in a restaurant with a mask on? Sitting outside, you don't have to wear the mask if you're at your table and socially distanced. So I can see going out to eat somewhere during these warm months. But why would you go in to eat anywhere? Why? Just to throw, roll the dice and maybe die? I mean, why would you challenge it? Unless you have an N95, a really good mask that's going to keep out the aerosol particles, whatever mask you have on indoors isn't going to protect you. If people breathe out in that air and there's virus in that air, which there very well might be, your mask, unless it's one of the really good respirators, is not going to keep out those particles. So do you really want to sit indoors somewhere, even with a mask on, and take a chance that you're going to get sick? Why? Certainly not in a movie theater where you know in the dark people will be t pulling down their masks all the time. So you know that the regular air is going to be out there in that movie theater, trapped in that movie theater. So just stay home. Stay home. But with respect to the movies, while we're home, 
Why are we getting such a shit selection on on demand? It's awful. There's only a handful of movies and they're charging $20, which let's be honest, is more than you'd pay if you went to see the movie in the theater and then watched it a second time paying $6 to get the high def version on demand. Think about that. They're charging $20. Are movie tickets when you go out, do you pay $14? Because you only pay 6 for a high-def on-demand rental. So you'd have to at least pay $14 at the movie theater to then rent it later and pay 6 So you've seen it twice, once out in an actual fun environment, the theater, then once at home, and that's your $20. Here, you're not getting the fun environment. You're not getting multiple views. You're just getting the one rental, and they're charging you $20. Shit, if you waited a few months, you could buy the damn thing for $15, maybe $20. (laughs) Why would you you rent it once? But I have done that. I have done it because I'm so desperate, because there's nothing being offered. It's crap, and the reason is obvious. We get offered about three, four to five months after they are in the cinema. We get the on-demands. That's the way it works. Well, if there's nothing in the cinemas, because three, four, five months ago the cinemas were shut down, then there's nothing that they can trickle down to on-demand. And so it comes down to the distributors. Do we want to send this movie straight to on-demand and lose the enormous revenues that we make from some of these bigger films more interesting worthy films that we we want to make the money in the theater and we're not so they're sitting on movies while we sit at home with nothing to watch the people that made the movies are sitting on them and not sharing them with us they have them but they're not going to release them until they can release them in the theaters and make a shitload of money meanwhile good luck because even when even with the cinemas open, they're only open at 50% capacity. So you're not going to make a shitload of money. And probably even then, a lot of people aren't going to go. And this is going to go on for months still. Months of reduced capacity in theaters and people staying home from them because they're smart. So you're going to have to sit on a movie for a year or something like that if you really want to make the big bucks. If you if your if your strategy is I have this blockbuster. Like Christopher Nolan has that movie Tenant he just finished. It's done. Oh, he's got a release date in August. Good luck, Christopher Nolan. I guarantee you, he would, he would have made billions. I mean, that, that's a big-time movie. Everybody wants to see it. Special effect. He kept it real hush-hush on what it's about. But now what? Is he is he going to release it in very, very limited fashion at the theaters? And then what? When, when will the rest of us get to see it? Do we have to risk our lives to sit in the movie theater in order to see it? Are we ever going to see it on demand? And when? And how much money are they going to accept losing before they give it to on demand? And then when they put it on on demand, are they going to charge $30 for tenant? <laughs> Not just 20 because it's tenant and it's Christopher Nolan. So they're going to charge you to what? Pay $100? Is it like a pay-per-view event, like a boxing match? But that's the way they're treating movies. It's because of greed. It's because of money. And it's sad because we're sitting here at home and we want entertainment and we need, need entertainment. And unless it's a movie that was already made for Netflix or made for Amazon Prime, the selection is garbage. The actual on-demand section of your local cable provider is crap.
And then the few, you know, high caliber movies they're releasing, they're overcharging for them and they're not even very good. And they really aren't high caliber movies. They're kind of like little fringy things. I mean, the only thing they did with a high-caliber movie was when they took The Invisible Man, which had already been released in theaters. So they already had made some good change on that one. And they realized they were going to lose because the theaters had shut down. So they said, well, we might as well now move it over to On Demand and charge more for it. And they already had word of mouth from the theater release that had gone on. So that one made some sense. And that was a highbrow, more of a, you know high concept film that we actually got to see but the rest of the stuff they're releasing it's real middling stuff you know none of it is by major directors or majors with major actors with or or even just really well regarded or well uh, anticipated big anticipated films that were released on the on the circuit, the award circuits earlier this year before the pandemic that we've heard about, that we've been waiting for. So what's going to happen? That's my question I'll leave you with. What's going to happen with movies and on demand and, and our ability to watch good stuff at home in the next six months? They've, in my opinion, I give them a D on the way they've handled the provision of entertainment to us since this pandemic started, I give them a D, maybe a D minus. What's well, only going to get worse, right? How's it going to get better in the next six months? Because they want to make their money. Greed is driving them. We haven't seen better choices on demand because they want to put them out at the theater and make their big bucks. And when are they going to realize that those days are gone, at least for another year? I mean, really, those days are gone. There's, it's just like sports. They had to bite the bullet. They're going to try to start up, but it's probably not going to work. They're going to lose all this money. We're going to lose out on our entertainment. Everybody's going to lose. That's just the price you pay, like the restaurants that are going to go out of business because of this pandemic. That's the price you pay. These things are going to happen. Hey, this is a pandemic. It's reality. Your life is more important than saving a restaurant. Your life is more important than... Paying, putting money back in the pockets of filmmakers or producers who want to make a mint. You want to see the good movies, but I'm sorry. They're just not worth dying for. <laughs> but the real problem with movies is they have them. Unlike sports, where they have to go out and risk their lives and play sports for our entertainment, these movies are already made. We could get good quality movies, and we need them. We're sitting at home. We're bored. We need entertained. We need to distract ourselves from the depressing times that we're living in. We need quality entertainment at home, and they have it, and they're not giving it to us because of money. So that's, that's the real disappointing thing with the movie industry is they're putting money above everything else. They, they have the product. We need the product. Money comes first. We don't get the product. And I'm really curious what's going to happen as the pandemic continues and the theaters maybe even shut down or reduce capacity even more. What are we going to get here at home? What are they going to do then? And they can't even film the movies. They're, they're, they're filming some of them on restricted sets and so forth. 
But that's another issue, is what's going to happen to the future of movies six months from now, a year from now, movies that where the production had to be shut down because of the pandemic. Are they going to restart it? How are they going to do that? Are actors going to be all tested every day? Everybody on the set, the grips and the directors and the cinematographer, they're all going to be tested every day, the stand-ins. You know, they do these movies. They get tons of people are called down. My sister's done it many times. And you wait all day and you and you do these, uh, you know, crowd scenes and you, you're you a bit role player or whatnot. Well, what's, what happens with all that? How do you handle that kind of... That's all not socially distant stuff. And you can't very well test everybody that comes down for that with for the coronavirus and what make them wait three days and then have them come back to be an extra after the, the test results come back and then they might have it by then again i mean it's just it's just, there's no way around it you're gonna have a hard time making movies right now so they have ones that are finished that they're not showing us because they want to make money on them and then six months from now a year from now they're not going to have any to show us and we're all at home, and what do we need more than anything? Entertainment, movies, sports. <laughs> so it's a real dilemma, but especially in the movie industry, I think it's a real dilemma, and I think I'm not surprised that the movie industry, which has put money ahead of everything else for so long now, including, including quality, that they're doing it again to the detriment of a starved public starved for entertainment and that's a thought that i'm putting out there that i haven't heard anyone say yet specifically and they may have i'm not saying it's some brilliant cutting edge thought but it's not something people are talking about i see them talking about what's available on demand i see them talking about what they're watching on netflix and they're talking about what they're seeing but nobody seems to be noticing that there's not a lot being offered I'd like to hear more people complaining about the selection. It seems to be pretty stagnant. You'd go to your on-demand thing, and every week there'd be at least three or four new movies that you could choose from. Now there's none. And when one comes along, it's 20 bucks, and it's not even very interesting looking. And so I think there's an issue here of what's happening to the movie industry, what's happening to the television movie industry, What's happening? Do you, does anybody care about us? Can they make any more? Can they do them on sound stages? What, what's going to go on here? I don't know. It's a problem, and people need to start talking about it because I don't know about you, but two things that matter in my life very much are movies and restaurants. Restaurants, I'm sacrificing. I'm doing without. But I don't know if I can do without movies. I don't know, man. I don't know. And I can watch old ones. Hey, I've, I've been into, I've been into a, a kick lately. I watched like the 1976 double feature of Network and All the President's Men. And I thought, you know, I'm going to stay in the 70s and give a, a reevaluation to The Towering Inferno, a disaster film in its day that I thought was bloated, not quite that good. And I thought, but it has great stars. I'm going to give it another look-see. You know what? It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's still not very good either. <laughs> But you got to like Paul Newman and Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway together. Come on. And William Holden? Wow. How did they get those actors for a disaster film? Anyway, that's the kick I've been in sometimes is going back, looking at films from the 70s and 80s. Uh, haven't, haven't ventured back into the 60s, 50s, 40s, and 30s yet. 
Uh, I did all of that back in my 20s and 30s. Um, I don't know. I For some reason, I, I don't have a drive to watch old, old movies, old black and white movies with the acting where it was corny and the writing where it was kind of corny. I, the, the, some people love that. My mom used to love that, but I'm not, I'm not really finding an inclination to do that. But I am hearkening back to the movies of the 70s and 80s a lot lately because the selection of current stuff is just terrible. And I'm starting to get antsy and I'm starting to get nervous because I want my movies. Oh, my goodness. I got to give up a restaurant of being able to go out and sit at a bar and have a meal served to me and look at the environment and feel the life around me. That's one thing. But to give up being able to watch an interesting new creative movie with current stars that I'm anxious to see, that I'm excited to see, to give that up too? Wow. I'm going to have to find new things, new pandemic habits and joys and thrills and hobbies, right? We got to create them. This is the time for creativity. That's enough of this podcast. I don't know. It was kind of all over the place. Call it movies and original thoughts. Movies and original thoughts. Origi- or how about controversial original ideas slash what the fuck's happening to movies on demand. I don't know. You can discuss amongst yourselves how to label this podcast. I love you. Oh, wait. I didn't turn it off. Let's try that again. I love you. Yabba da boop